Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Kevin Byrne. Today, privileged to be joined by an Irish boxing legend. Uh, I say that about a lot of people, but today I really mean it. Uh, known as Young McCormick throughout his professional career, he was the British champion. And in amateur boxing, he's really made his mark for half a century now at this stage. Sitting beside me here, delighted to say, John McCormick, welcome to the show, John. Lovely to meet you, Kevin. Lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. We're here today, obviously, to um, as part of a campaign to get Deirdre Gogarty statue in her hometown of Drada and uh, she was Ireland's first female world champion uh, Katie Taylor's first boxing hero and uh, there's a there's a great campaign coming on it's called from the Deirdre Gogarty Leg- Legacy Committee and John you have spoken one day about showing up outside St. Saviour's Boxing Club and seeing a girl kind of walking around walking around the front walking around the back and you're looking and saying what's going on here and said who are you? And are you okay? Can I help you? And she says, I'm Deirdre and I'm, I'm, I'm here from to. Drahada. I'm from Drahada. I'm from They said it was a boxing club here and we'd like to join the boxing club. And I said to her, I said, girls don't box. Yeah. She said, oh, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. I said, okay. And she convinced me. And then the next night when we did open up, in she came and just became one and part of the youngsters and was every bit as good as any of the youngsters gym as regards training being a girl we were watching her obviously and saying she's going to be gone after a day or two but no she persisted and um we were very very thrilled to have her you know yeah very pleased to have her there. yeah and it's natural like for you to have met her with the reaction girls yes. don't box because at yes. the time That's right. it's not even the cliche that followed 10 15 years later it was it was genuine girls didn't box yes. no one boxed in ireland no females yes. boxed in ireland before that so Right. You know, maybe like, would you consider yourself old school, John? Yeah, might be just a little bit old school. I love to see the old box and the old techniques yeah. that I use. Yeah, you know. What did you think about the idea of women boxing? Because there's a lot of people from the sport who are very much opposed to this, to the yes. idea of women boxing. I actually had a youngster in the gym who was sparring with one of the girls in the gym, and he was a painting decorator. He went to school. He went. He was sparring with one of the girls on a Sunday. He went off to work on Monday morning. When he got into work, one of the fellas said, what happened to your eyes? Your eyes are very black. And two black eyes. He said, I was sparring with three or four youngsters in the gym. He said, John, told me this. He said, I was afraid to tell him that I was sparring with a girl. He said, because girls don't do that much damage, you know? But he said, told him, sparring with two or three fellas, rather than one girl that did it. And it was Katie Taylor who did it. Right. So embarrassed about at the time, we just didn't have girl boxes. So it was Katie Taylor. Yeah, just Katie Taylor. Yeah, but at the time, as you say, girls didn't box. But again, as I say, once they came in, and Katie Taylor was, as I say, she just started training every bit as good as the boys. We were a little bit in amazement at her, looking at her, saying she's every bit as good as the boys. The interactions, you know, very very good, and accepted for a while it is and was exceptionally good and then just mingled with the kids sparred with the boys no problem it was never anything like what well, I'm again he's a boy it was just we're boxers yeah. 
Yeah, and like it's it's women like Deirdre Gogarty in uh, in Ireland and Jane Couch in England and, and others in America who changed that, you know, to who allowed the likes of yes. Katie Taylor and stuff to come come through and be the first wave of female amateur boxers. But you know, ten years, fifteen years before that, Deirdre Gogarty was walking into your club and there was nothing. And did you take time to adjust, or was it the first time you saw her on the pads or on the bags? No, you said no, this we girl left her alone. Yeah. We just treated her like a boy. And then um, she, she, she rose, she came into the gym, stepped in there and just done what boys did, skipped, boxed, sparred, done everything that we asked her to do. And there was no such thing as um, the gender never was there. Boy or a girl, it was just simply a boxer in the gymnasium and that's what we want. So fortunately at the time, she wasn't allowed box professionally in Ireland. I think she had one underground fight here, a couple in Britain before open sticks to the States. Were you involved at all in the in the fight she had here in, in Limerick against Anne Marie Griffin, or no, was that? Oh, no, my brother Pat was. You yeah. know, I used to say, "Well, I go down there," because um, obviously she had to have someone to guide her down there, bring her down and train her. So Pat used to go and look after her. Anytime we had anywhere to go, I would say, "I'll take her down there, John," which he did. And um, they got a great companionship together. You know, I mean, they were very good. Yeah, they got on great together. All right. So, like when, when Deirdre Gogarty went to the states, I presume you kept uh, abreast of her career. Did you keep in contact? Were you guys close? She did. Yes. Yeah. She would regularly to say she was boxing somewhere, and we would see her in the papers. And um, in Lafayette, she was living at the time, and she totally enjoyed it there. And we thought there's no problems whatsoever with O. Williford, who was a very good manager, and she's getting the training, and she gets this is what the girl wants. So. She's following our dream, which is what we all aspire to. Did you get to watch the uh, the fight against Christy Martin that put women's boxing on the map? Tyson Bruno. What we were saying was um, Frank Bruno and Mike Tyson, they were supposed to be the fight of the night, but it turned out that um, Deirdre and Christine were the fight of the night. As far as we heard from the crowd, it was absolutely brilliant. We just couldn't believe it was there. This was our girl now. We kind of adopted her in Dublin. We know she came from Drogheda, but, you know, we, we used to always say, oh, she's from Dublin now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, she totally was exceptionally good and deservedly so. She deserves to be exactly where she is. Yeah, lovely, she, lovely. Woman, she gave you know? up weight in that contest against Martin. Yes, Martin right. took the victory at the that's end. Right. Christy probably had the more skills. That's Martin right. was the bigger yes. woman. Yeah. Uh, Deirdre... Ultimately won her world title in 1997 and became Ireland's first female world champion, paving the way, as you see, to... And for Katie Taylor, exactly. World champion, Katie yes. Taylor, you've got a good relationship with as well. Brilliant. Uh, we'll, we'll go back and talk about your childhood and your professional career and all, because there's so many fascinating things to talk about with you today. But I guess leading directly from Deirdre <sighs> yes. to your involvement, that, that became just the, the look at a draw. I think it was Tommy Murphy and draw had a sent Deirdre, Deirdre Gogarty down to you and said... Get working with John McCormick, and that, be, that almost be, made you become the go-to guy for women's boxing in Ireland. In a way, you, you were in the corner for Katie Taylor for one of her first world amateur boxing titles, isn't it? As Ireland coach, that's right. Yes, yeah. Um, well, we used to go away with the girls and the boys, and I remember being with, Kate, with Katie in one or two fights, and um, he, our father, would be in the corner too sometimes, but. Um, no, I, I I loved to see the girls coming along because he wanted to do what I loved doing. So I thought, if a girl can do every bit as much as me, I said, this is just great. It was just a, very inspiring to see this. Girls moving the same way as men yeah. and being every bit as diligent at that sport as we were, you know? Very, very good. Yeah. So it was it was it one of Katie Taylor's gold medals in, uh, was it India? Was it, was it 2006 in India? Yes, Would that be the right one? That's right, yeah. That was That's our first right. world title. That's right, yeah. I remember that. And um, I was absolutely brilliant. And as I say, uh, deservedly so, Katie put a lot of work in there, you know. And um, we totally enjoyed having her there in, this, in the stadium. And she was a, an exceptional example for girls to see what they could do and to show off and show them all how good they can become. But it's true hard training. A lot of hard, a lot of, a lot of, an awful lot of hard training went in there. You know, 
you can tell you can tell if someone's a worker. I think it's written. Yes. It used to be written on the walls and savers. Like that's right. Winners are simply willing to do what losers won't. That's you can right. Tell, you that's tell right. If someone's a winner. Yes. How long does it take you to tell if someone's in it for the long haul? Um, it wouldn't take us long. We we look at the the. the we just look at them when we know when they're coming and if they're diligent enough to do it, we would say, yes, you can accept what they're going to put into it. And if they're hard workers, like it's like all, we the, the dream in the club is we put in the hard work, everything comes a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. And even see Gogarty's fellow loud woman, Amy Broadhurst is now the reigning world champion, Commonwealth champion. Nicola Adams. In 2012, you were in the corner, I think, for Amy Broadhurst winning gold at the European Juniors in Poland. Following year, Kira Ginty won gold for Ireland at the, the World Youths. Right. So you've, you've got a good, you've got a good history here yes. in women's boxing. Yes. And uh, like, would you have ever thought it coming from where you came from? Never, born in no. the 40s in Dublin. Oh, never. When men were men, and, you know, this, <laughs> the hard shot men all around. Yes. Like, your dad was That's the right. hardest man in Dublin. That's and this right. was a time when, Men fought each other That's in like, right. street battles and gangs. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that I would see a female again in the ring doing what men could do. Absolutely brilliant. And credit to them when it's due. Your mother could throw a good left hook, though. Did she catch Lugs Brannigan? Um, she did. One she guarded time. Jim Brannigan on the, on the head. Room. Yes. Uh, there was a little bit of a row in the house one time. And uh, me, me mother said, go and get the priest. Someone sent for the police instead of the priest. And Jem Brannigan came down to the house. And Jem, as you know, was over six feet. And he walked in there. Everything's okay. Like, and he stood in front of my mother and he was asking what was wrong. And she was explaining to him. She said, all you boxers stick together. And with that, she went to throw a dig at my father. And Jem, my father moved behind Jem Brannigan. And she hit Jem instead of my father. My father, Jem was standing with his hand up to his face and saying, Jesus, she can punch. <laughs> That was my mother, <laughs> not my father. Yeah, because it's in your blood and on the, the paternal side. Did your mother have boxing connections on her side? Who? No connections with boxing whatsoever, but she just loved boxing. She must have been, she must have been a tough woman. Like oh, you were born was. in 1944. That's were right. you one of 12 or 13 kids in the tenements, Gardner yeah. Street? It was eight kids and five boys. I was 13 or 13 of us. What was life like for you in, the, uh, in Dublin as a kid? Um, I also often say to my father, who's the best boxer in the house? And he said to me one time, all the girls fight better than the boys. <laughs> he was able to defend themselves, you know? Yeah. They all seemed to be hard girls. And um, the lad be good to them. Some of them are gone now. Great memories of them all, you know? Yeah. Lovely, lovely family. How, uh, how young were you when you realized that your dad was a somebody? Because to anyone who's listening who doesn't know the name of Spike McCormack, Yes. You know, he was a prolific Irish fighter. He was, he was in the British Army, wasn't he? He was blown up in the Random war. In the British Army, yes. He finished his amateur career against Jimmy Ingle and he had a hole in him from, he came out of the hospital on a Wednesday, I think, fought him in the stadium on a Friday or a Saturday. Yes. He was right. Dublin's probably toughest guy and he wasn't a dub at all originally. He was no, from he wasn't Kerry. from Kerry. He was from this tall in County Kerry. Stand on Hill 16 with the Kerry flag That's and right. the Dublin That's flag. Right. I fight under two flags. That's right, yes. Yeah. I think he was the only man in Dublin who could stand on, on the on Hill 16 with a Kerry flag and no one would go near him, you know, because they all knew him. He was very well respected, I have to say, Kevin. You know, he was very well liked, you know. So you, as a kid, like, did you did you realise at three or four, you know, people know my dad or was it just? Um, no, I used to think that the reason why they knew my dad because his name was John McCormick, the famous singer. Mm. Never realised it was the boxer. Then I went to school and then the, one of the Christian brothers said to me, one you know, your father was in the paper recently. I said, no. He was um, the boxing story. And then I realized, and someone said to me, yeah, he was a British. He was in the commandos. And he was in the Irish Army and the English Army. And then I began to realize, like, I began to read and write and realize, oh, God, he is. He's very, quite famous, you know. Um, and I often said it to my father. You are very famous, were you? Everyone thinks I'm famous. And I say, oh, okay. Um, he loved it. He was very well liked, as I say. He, everywhere you go, she couldn't go anywhere without. I remember, I actually remember one time I was boxing in London in the um, Wembley Arena and he came to see me. And I said, would well, you love to introduce you to Jack Solomons? And with that, I said to Jack Solomons, Jack, that's my dad, John McCormack. 
I checked Solomon and said, I'd love you to see you again, Spike. And I said, love you to see him again. He said, yes. He said, hey, I used to promote your dad before, he was, before you were born. So they knew each other. Yeah. And it was then I realized how famous, how famous he was. Yeah. Everyone knew. And his boxing career was probably curtailed a bit because of World War II was ongoing. Obviously. The Irish lads, it was a very active Irish boxing scene at the time during the war. Sorry. It was one of the best things that probably ever happened to Irish boxing. But it did... Uh, curtail people's chances to fight abroad. So there was f- constantly fights in Talca Park, Daly Mount Stadium, right. or D- Daly Mount Park, Talca Park. He had that saga with Jimmy Ingle from the south side, rings That's in. Right. five times they fought each other, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Brendan Ingle was relation to Jimmy's, as you know. Yeah. And um, the boxing was carried on through Brendan and Sheffield, looking after, you know, all the boxes down there. So it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Uh, were you, were yeah. you encouraged to fight as a kid? Yes. Not necessarily box, but like, no. you know, because your dad was, after he hung up the gloves, he was, he was fam- he, he getting a lot of rows in the street, wasn't he? He was a street fighter, effectively. He with was. A few actually, jars, maybe, yes, could be that's provoked right. as well. That's right. That was very, very common then. Yeah. You know, people coming out of pubs, obviously, at the time. And, um, yeah, I've seen a few fights on the streets, already. And, Given um, you see, we mentioned how tough your mother was as well. Your dad was a was he a sea merchant, so he'd be he away for months at for a time. Yes, that's right. And your mother was raising thirteen kids, that's so right. she must have been really really tough as well. Like well able to do, you know. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you find yourself getting in trouble much? Like, uh, not particularly. No, in the family, no. We would never be wrongdoing. We would be maybe staying away from school, stupid things like that. You know, not going to school and. And I didn't go to school, so they sent me away for six or eight years to our ten industrial school. Because I wouldn't go to school, they sent me away for, and then Pat went away. Two of us went away to the industrial schools for youngsters that didn't go to school, mm. where we had to go to school all the time. You know what I mean? is, that, is that what you were sent for, truancy? Like? That was what it was yeah. for. Was not going to school. It was just, wasn't for blackguardism or anything like that. It was just not going to school. Yeah. What age were you when you were first sent to our town? I was just coming up 10, right. 10 years away. And I eventually wound up in the band playing the trombone with Brother Joseph. And um, I didn't aspire. I, just, I went to the Crow Park once. When I got to Crow Park, Kevin, I see the crowd and I said to him, I'm not going out there. And he said, is there something wrong? I said, no, I won't. I'm not going out there. There's too many people there. And he put me back onto a truck which held all the equipment for the band, and they wouldn't go out and play. So they were short of trombone that day when I went out there. Instead of having four trombones, there was only three. Right. I was in the front of the band, as you would know. And um, that was the last time I played in the band, you know. So I wasn't a part of the band at all. It was only for a short, brief time. Was there repercussions for that? Um, obviously, when I got back, yes. Um, yeah, they would take me to task over there. <laughs> Um, I was very embarrassed about the crowd. Yeah. I just didn't like crowds, you know. And, and consequently, didn't want to go out there. And 20 years later, your brother fights there. That's uh, right. Muhammad Ali Bill, That's right. Or yeah. fewer than 20, yes. 20 years. Well, it was a harsh place, the industrial school. It was, they were obviously hard at the time, yes. And we had a place down here called, oh, beg your pardon, it's probably wrong, Terma Fekin, was it? Terma Fekin's in County Loud, yeah, which is where we're sitting industrial today. Industrial school. Yeah. I think that was another one. School. Were you sent there as well, or was it just? No, no, I just met a few fellas from there, yeah. and they'd often say, "Boy, I say, where are you from? I'm from a place called Termafect." You say, "God, where's that? That's out in Drodus." Oh, obviously, you know. And um, I didn't realize it was a school down there further, but um, I I still know. Strange as it sounds, I've youngsters in the gym at the moment, and they know people who know me from the school. All those years ago, you know. You're talking about people 50 years ago saying to me, John, such and such a, you know, Thomas was asking for you. John was asking for you. He was in school with you. Oh, hey, yeah. Jeez, they're great memories, you know. I have good memories from the school of the people that was there with me. Yeah. Learned how to play football. I actually learned Gaelic there when I was there. And I played for the St. Vincent's GAA team when I came out of school. I was a good midfielder, you know. Yeah. But obviously there's a lot of memories you're not like, you don't like to think about or don't like to talk about as well from, from Borstal, like. No, 
you would be was it like was it a violent place um, it was there was a lot of violence there yes I actually see a youngster dying there when I didn't see him but heard about him the next morning he had died during the night and that was all covered up and I said oh god what happened there um, it was never spoken about never spoken about because we were all youngsters at the time you know um, were you allowed to see your family your mom, your dad, your brothers and sisters? Once every year. Once a year. You know? Christmas time or something like that? We're around Christmas time, yes. But um, good memories now of all the fellas that was there with me. Yeah. We grew up together. We learned how to play football. We learned how to play handball. Yeah. He was a good handballer too. And despite... Very, and good at the sports, Kevin. Yeah, you know? and despite being Spike McCormick's son and everyone wanting yeah. you to be a hard shot and wanting Never to fight... Never heard anyone refer to me in the gym as... Or in the school as Spike's son. No. So that's John. That was on the streets though. Before you went in, probably there yes. was this expectation. And yet you went into fighting by accident. It was yes. it was something inside you. You that's saw right. and like we had Jerry Creighton on a recent show, he became handy with his fists because he it was a bully and he wanted to repel a bully. Yes. And that was your story. Yes. The first time you struck a blow on anger as well was against a bully. That's right, yes. And also um I remember one time playing football and um I injured me foot and I had to give up. Me. I had a bit of a job at the time and I had to give up the box. I had to give up my job for a few weeks. My mother, my mother just wasn't having that. She said, no, you give up that box, that football because we need the money here to raise the family. And I was at the, we now work. And when you're there work at the time, we didn't get paid. So she said to me, that's the last football match that you're playing, which it was. And I was sitting down there and someone said to me, why don't you go down to your dad's boxing club? And maybe he'd put your foot right and do a bit of training, which I did. And I went down to the consulate at the boxing club, which is in Donny Kearney. And I started boxing there. And I just loved the camaraderie with all the other fellas there. And I met loads of fellas there like that I used to um, see later on in the years. It would aspire to be good boxers, the Irish boxing team, you know. Yeah, and it, and it, was, it was in you as well. Look yeah, exactly. Because you, you yeah. found the first time you had a fight in industrial school. Once the, once the knuckles connected with the other right. guy, he was twice the size of you. <laughs> he was on the floor That's and you were thinking, what have I got here? That's uh, right. And I'm sure your dad recognised it yes. as well. I believe you won an Irish Intermediate Championship. Seniors came too soon. They stopped, I think, in the second round by an opponent. And then That's after right. that was to That's London right. for the army. That's you right. You joined the army in London, is that right? No, yeah. I went over there where I was going to join the army. Yeah. And when I was over there, I was waiting to join, as you say, but trying to find out to the local, how do, how do you go about joining the army here? And someone said to me, I'm going down to the gymnasium. I, was like, I train professional boxers. Then I went down with them. And from there, it's just decided, oh, I go down, can I do a bit of training with you? He said, yeah. And then he said to me, you're very good when you're training. And I said, well, I'm going to join the army, so I'm very fit. Very fit, yeah, yeah. And I came out of our town very fit too because every day there we used to do exercises, you know, in the yards. But that's the way it started off. It's this small world the way things yeah. start Did off. Did start off with a determination to be a world champion or was it just to no, earn just a living, to, earn, a, earn a crust? Just to earn a crust, yeah. yeah. You won your first seven as a professional. You made your debut in 1963, nearly 60 years ago, John. That's right. What was it like back then? Um, they were, yeah, they were good times, but um, I seen boxers being brought in who weren't prepared to box, weren't as fit as they should have been. Yeah. And I used to say to myself, God, they shouldn't go in there because it's dangerous. But that's the way it was at the time, you know? It's unbelievable as it sounds that you would put a boxer who was not fit in there. Um, that wasn't the trap you were going to fall into? No. So I made sure, Kevin, that I was always fit. Your first loss came at the hands of a guy called George Hollister. Georgie Hollister. He was out of Smithfield meat marker in London. He walked. And he had a great contingency. Came up to see him that night boxing. And his brother, Albie Hollister, was a very famous boxer too. George was a lovely fella. I met him a few times afterwards. Very nice fella. He stopped me with a good eye in the third round. You had nine more wins in a row after that, and then That's a draw right. before your next loss against a guy called Orlando Passo. Orlando Passo, Nigerian, yeah. who's I think he was boxing out of England at the time. That's right. Starting yeah. to bring over African fighters. They're eligible for the Commonwealth, weren't they? That's right. 
He's a, he looked like I looked at pictures of him. He's and like I actually, yeah, he was a tough. Guy. Yeah, he was like a tough and I actually see him for the first time ever. I see him boxing an Irish boxer that we had here called Mick Lee from oh, yeah. Cork. He was yeah. a middleweight champion. Beat Sugar Ray Robinson. Yeah. That's right. Lost to Laszlo Pack. That's right. I think well, he fought I, probably the best amateur and the best professional of all time. That's right. So. Yeah. And I seen Mick Lee boxing him in Talca Park. And I went up to see him there because my father was working that night doing some boxes corner. And I went up to see him. But it's ironic to think like that a few years later, a year later, I'd be boxing Orlando Paso. Yeah. And beat him. And beat him. And beat you him. You took so. a few times, did you? Did you, did you fight him a couple of times? No, I only fought him the once. In 1966, you lost a decision to Lion Venn, a Belgian. Lion Venn, yes, Leon I did, Venn, yeah. yeah. But then uh, the same year, there was a bill called, uh, on the, written on the ticket, it said, will the real John McCormack <laughs> please <laughs> hold his hand up? It was like an <laughs> early forerunner to right. Slim Shady. But. They had a famous boxer in, 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 in England called John Cowboy McCormack. Yeah. And the cowboy was distinguished from another John McCormack, who was a Jim McCormack, came from Belfast. And at the time, they were saying to me, you can't take the name John McCormack. I said, why? Because there's another John McCormack. I said, but I'm the real John McCormack. They were saying, no, yeah, but we can't get mixed up. The boxing border control said, you'll have to pick a nickname or something. But you can't box under the name John McCormack. Yeah. And so I was passing by some place one day, and someone said to me, are you young? I said, someone said to me, are you young McCormack? Yeah. No, I'm John McCormack. Whereas new... Young McCormick, Spike's yeah, son, yeah. Young John. I said, yes, I'm, and with that, my manager said to me, why don't you take the name Young John McCormick? And it'll yeah, stop young him. Young Spike, wasn't it? Young, young, young John. yeah. I couldn't take the name Spike because there's a Spike McCormick already in Belfast. Spike, Jim Spike McCormick. So they That's said to me, yeah. you can't take John McCormick because there's a John McCormick from Belfast, from um, Scotland. The cowboy. And they call him the cowboy because he has to distinguish between the two different McCormicks. That was at the Royal Albert Hall. That looked like a famous night in your, one of your best wins of your career. That's I'm right. Sure a great record. And that's right. Top fire. He's a pinup. Yes. He was a pinup guy. He was a famous, he was. well-known. That's well-known right. And you defeated him. Yeah. Must have been riding high that night. And I met him a few times afterwards. And we became very good friends, John and I. And he's a very nice fella. But um, a southpaw, what we call a southpaw in the ring. He was a very, very good southpaw. Were a very, very good boxer. And um, at the way in that day, he said to me, do you think you'll win tonight, John? No, I said, I know I'll win because that's the confidence I had at the time. Yeah. And he said to me, well, if you're so confident, why don't we take the purses and put them together and whoever the winner takes out? I said, no, I don't bet. But I can tell you this, I will beat you. You're that confident. He said, yeah. Well, if you're that confident, why don't you put the money together? No, I said, I'm not, which I didn't. Yeah. But I beat him anyway over the 10 rounds. Were you married at the time, John? Oh, I was, yeah. And if you'd have done that bet, you would have been killed. I'd have been home. killed at home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But um, it's like everything else. It's, you, you, that's what the boxing is all about. They're still just, doing it today, those side bets and those purse bets. And yes. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, uh, but the only thing that we wanted at the time, Kevin, was to buy a house and make our friends and my mother comfortable and my, my wife comfortable. Did you manage it? And I did, yes. Yeah. You know, I was able to put down a mortgage and it was acceptable because like, I was, as I say, I was working. Yeah. I was a painting decorator at the time anyway. Yeah. Doing painting, decorating, where I loved the boxing. Five fights later, you become British champion. Uh, be Eddie Avo. Eddie Avo, yes. From Piccadilly. Wales, from Wales. From Wales. Yes. And uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, are you the first fighter from the Republic of Ireland to win the British title? No. Mick Leahy was. Mick Leahy. There. See, I was saying to Simon that's on the way right. up, I know there's something I'm missing that's here. Right. Mick Leahy was the first. He Mick beat Leahy. George Aldridge to win right. the first round. Yeah. Mick was very, very good. Very industrious little fellow. Very good fighter. And as I was saying to you earlier on, he boxed in the um, in Tark, in, um, Daily Mount. Yeah. He was boxing in the Coventry, wasn't there? There's was a lot of Irish boxing that's, in the Coventry. That's I think right. There was yes. Danny McAlinden as Danny well. Danny McAlinden, the heavyweight. Yeah. Yes, there was. Yes. They were all very nice. Um, so you're British, you're British champion. How did that go British. down back in uh, Gardner Street? Um, didn't go down great. No. Um, when I come home, I was I didn't actually. I was very shy, Kevin. I didn't say it to anyone. But someone said to me one day, "Would you could? Do you have a Lonsdale belt? Yes, I have. Did you not showing her off at all?" I said, "No." 
have it there, but um, I'm afraid you get robbed on me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I put her up, her up and put her in Terry Rogers, the bookies. In Talbot Street, I put her in the window in Terry Rogers, the Lonsdale belt, just to show people what it was like yeah. to have the Lonsdale belt, because that's a privilege to bring it here, you know? Is there any of that kind of anti-British sentiment, I guess? You, oh, John's a dub, but he's won the British yes. title. Did you have to take out like a British citizenship or something? I, or were you no, what they, uh, well, I can explain to you, Kevin. They said to me, um, were you looking for British citizenship? No, I didn't want to take out British citizenship. But they said anyone born before 1947 could reclaim their British citizenship if, it, if they wanted to, which I did. So they said there was no need for you to change your nationality as well. So I just reclaimed my British citizenship, which I had before because I was born before yeah. 47. And um, that made me eligible to box out the British title. Oh, yeah. So I, 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 I then told Pat, my brother, that's what you do. You don't have to change your nationality at all. But, but never was under the, uh, never was under the opinion that I would do it because I, I loved being there with them. The boxing in, in England is very, very good. Yeah. And, um, like, uh, after that, then, uh, you had your first fight in Dublin in 67. You'd fought a couple of times at the Ulster Hall, but. Uh, Daniel Eastwood, yes. Yeah, Daniel Lullier at the Olympic Ballroom. Right. Did they all come out? Like, did you have a great crowd? There oh, I did. Was yes, it, like it was so, very good. Your only fight, I think, here in Dublin. It was. That's right. Yes. Go, a great night, I'm sure. And, um, Terry Rogers again, as I say, he was part and parcel and Barney Eastwood from Belfast, and then Barney asked me would I go to Belfast and box up there, which I did a few times, you know. And um, you make great friends in the boxing world, Kevin. You know, they're yeah, all very nice. Always do. Connections are very good. 68, the following year, you made the trip to uh, to Australia. Commonwealth shot. So Australia, the box probably done enough for the Empire title, yes. And I got stopped in the sixth round. And um, it was extremely hot. It was 50 degrees when they told me there was a, a camera, a television camera going over the ring. And I was going to take up a lot more heat. And they, ran, they reckoned I was up over the 60s. It was a daytime fight. And I was in the evening. In Rushcores Bay of, uh, in Sydney, Australia, and um, it was extremely hot. I think it was the fifth round. The referee was asking me questions that I couldn't answer them. He stopped the fight. He said, "You're disorientated." Absolutely. And, and did you did you bring out many people on the? Did you? Did, I presume you flew out, not like the Irish. Oh, I did. Olympic yes, I stayed out there for a week or two weeks, yeah. training the way out there, and then eventually, my friend who I boxed that night, he eventually wound up in in London one time. And he got to the, um, when he got to the airport, he said to the fella in the airport, I'm looking for a fella called John McCormick. And the fella in the airport said, who in the name of God is John McCormick? He said, he's a famous, he used to be a famous boxer. And the fella said, no, I never heard him. So they sent for a fella who was interested in boxing in the airport. And they said to him, this fella's looking for a fella called John. Oh, yes, he said, we found the boxing border control, which they did. And they put me in touch with Bobby Dunlop. And I met him then. He came to stay in my house. Right. He stayed there for a while. And that's what you do. You make friends, that's Kevin. It. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bobby was out running one day. I think he was 49 years of age and he dropped dead. That'd be good too. Yeah. But um, you do make friends, Kevin, in the boxing world. And you keep friends in the boxing world. You know, once a friend, you make them, they're always there with you, you know? Seems to be the impression we get for sure. Yes. Yeah. In 69, I was going to mention a couple of fights in 68, oh. 69 against a, another Nigerian, Guinea Roger. You won, won the first, lost the second, That's won sick. the third. So got the, got the hand raised after the trilogy there. But in 69, you lost your British title to Eddie Avo, uh, Cud Eyelid, 11th That's round of right. 15. Tough one to take. That's right, yes. Yeah, because that was a blonde belt kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We win the British title for the third time. They give you the blonde belt outright. Yeah. Which I didn't get. I only had two, you know what I mean? And at that stage, you're, you know, the shots in America open. Like, I think uh, possibly in your next fight, in your final fight, your third fight with Eddie Avo, Ken Buchanan fought on your undercard. That's right. And then two fights later, he's won the world title over in, right. in Puerto Rico. So you, you're so close at that stage to the, to the world title shots. Yeah. But after the final fight with Avo, you decide to hang up the gloves. What was your decision in 70? Why did you decide to hang him up? Um, so why did you decide to finish boxing, to stop boxing? Jeez, I don't remember where that was now. Um, it was when I lost my British title. 
Um, no, I can't remember that happened too well because um, I was walking away at the time and immediately after I remember someone saying to me, what are you going to do? Are you going to try again? I said, no, no really. I think I'll give it up now. I think it was 25 years of age at the time. And um, I just said to myself, no, I've had enough. The preparation is very, very hard. And you put a lot, a lot of work into it, you know, which a lot of the kids, which I train now, I don't have to say it to them. They just do it. They're just great walkers in the gyms, you know, when you're, when you're training the youngsters. It's lovely to see that camaraderie between them all in the gym and the hard work that they put in. That's what I like about it. I like to see good walkers. Yeah. We're, we're back after a little break now to talk with uh, John McCormick. We, uh, we finished up there speaking about your professional career. Fantastic career. British Thank champion. You. Yes. Your brother followed you into the ranks and was a British champion as well. Pat McCormick. Yes. Both of us, yes. We so, were like the Finnegan brothers. Kevin Finnegan and yeah. um, Chris Finnegan. The, the, Chris Finnegan won an Olympic gold medal and his brother. The both of them boxed. Yeah. So I was the same. Pat and myself, you know what I mean? Two brothers. Yeah, I think both ones do, yeah. I have a good quote from Jim, Jim Rock says uh, that the, the two brothers are so close and yet so different. John the gentleman oh. and Pat the head case. <laughs> That's what he said. Well, he's obviously afraid of me to say that I'm the gentleman. <laughs> Pat's, Pat would be like that. Pat was very blunt, you know, and, and very easy to talk to now, but very open, I was. And um, again, as I say, he just loved Deirdre Gold, looking after her, bringing her around, making sure she got the right fights. At the time, that was very, very unusual for a girl to be boxing, as we know. But Pat used to bring her around. Pat loved bringing her around. He's a well-traveled man, wasn't he? During he his was. professional career, he was. after you'd hung up the gloves, he fought in the States against, was it Tony Petronelli? That's right. He fought yes. in Denmark, fought in South Africa multiple That's times. Right. It was in, in deep apartheid. What happened yeah. over there? Or how, how did, he, how did yeah. he end up in so many places? Yeah, he just was just a great little fighter. He was, he was a boy. And, he was the kind of a fighter like that you'd have in the gymnasium. You didn't have to, you didn't have to coach him to do anything. You just had to train him to get fit. He was a natural fighter. Left hook. Most of us, like myself, are manufactured. He was a natural fighter. He was a left hook merchant. A left hook. What was yours and what was his like? Um, I had no great punch on my own, but I, you know, I used to say the reason why I'm, I'm getting where I am is because I train hard, and I used to say to the other boxers in the gym, they said to me. What makes you a champion? I walk hard. Everyone has to walk hard. And hopefully it'll walk out, which it did for me. It did for Pat. He was blessed for a lot of hard walking. Was yeah. it the left hook that won him the, the British title? Was it singled yes. and Joey singled? Yeah, Joey singled. Joey, he both know he lost his title lost to Joey's it. jab. That was Joey singled. We called him Joey's jab because that's what he did. He moved around the ring. Didn't get involved in boxing. with fighting. He got involved with boxing. He was a boxer. I was a fighter. I mean, but as you say, he was um, he was wasn't manufactured. He was a made natural fighter. Where I was manufactured, I had to be trained to do what I had to do. Was it after he fought uh, Petronelli in the states? He said, oh, "Pat, that's one of the dirtiest fights we've ever seen." He yes. said, "Dirty? That's one of the cleanest <laughs> fights I've ever had." That would be Pat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he told her as he seen it. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what he would do. Did you, you know? travel around the world for a lot of his fights or did you just... Um, no, I never travelled over to see Pat boxing in any of them in America and that because I was at home here in Ireland, you know. But um, but boxing has taken you all around the world and you've met some people. You've very, met champions from the, the 30s yes. all the way up to champions from yes. the 2000s. Like Len from Joe Lewis, Joe Lewis. to Lennox Lewis That's and probably right. beyond. That's right, yeah. Love meeting them and um, all a great, great pleasure and a great gift. Or to get that gift, you know, bestowed on you is great. Meet all these people. How do you meet Joe Lewis? Joe Lewis was in, in London one time. He was opening a nightclub. And um, we were passing by and someone said, that's Joe Lewis. I said, oh, I know who he is. Recognized him immediately. I saw him standing outside the door. And um, the next day I went up and we had some photographs taken with him. And again, as I say, like Muhammad Ali, very pleasant guy. Very, very nice. And um, I actually remember then meeting, about four days later, meeting George Raft, who was a famous Hollywood actor too. And um, in the 40s and 30s and 40s, people would remember George Raft. He used to play gangsters in a lot of the films, you know. Well, he loved the boxing. 
and consequently, like sitting there talking to them, they would eventually say, "Oh, you box, yeah, a boxer," and um, he'd get a great thrill out of it. Boxing is great for carrying around the world. Yeah, you know? you're delighted to meet these oh, actors, absolutely. but they're like they're like in awe of you. Absolutely, probably. and I met Prince Philip. Well, Prince Philip one day, and I was telling Andy was saying, "That's John McCormack. He's the Irish fella who won the British title." And Prince Philip looked up down at me and he said to me, "You're Irish." I said, "Yes, I am." But I said, "But the Irish are everywhere. We infiltrate everything. We're always, we're always around the Irish." And uh, met Prince Philip. Met some people like that. But as I say, the boxing was the inroad meeting all those people. And you met, I think, Sonny Liston, Sonny Joe Liston, Fraser. Joe Fraser, the whole lot of them. Is it just at various events in London? Or That's right, like yeah. That? yeah. Ali, obviously your brother fought on his bill at Crow That's Park. That's right, yeah. Jack Dempsey, the famous did you Jack did Dempsey. Did you finally get to uh, to watch? Because to, to, we know about your experience with the with the band at Crow Park. But did you get to enjoy the occasion at Crow Park when your brother fought there? Oh, I did, yes. Yeah, because I'd done his corner. I'd done his corner that night, yeah. And um, totally enjoyed the fight. Very good. He won? He won the fight that night. Um, great, great fight. And I'm not saying it because he's my brother. Yeah. Or, you know, I could fight. I think he stuck around for uh, Ali against Sal Blue Lewis. That's right, yes. He did, yeah. And um, totally enjoyed them fights. But again, as I say... Um, he was touchy though. I, we were telling a story, but he's he used some unsavory language, but he was, he, was, he was a nice man to meet at the same time. He was... Oh, a gentleman. Yeah. You know, if he was with you, he was with you 100%. Later on, I think Lennox Lewis used your gym when he was... Oh, Lennox. sorry, you were telling actually a story there. You met That's Jack right. Dempsey. Met I did, Jack yes. Dempsey. And I met... And Lennox Lewis trained in our gym in yeah. St. Saviour's in Dublin. And um, can I tell you the story about that? Yeah. And I was in the gym on my own. I opened the gym for Lennox Lewis to train one morning. And um, while he was training, Pat came into the gym, just opened the door and come in because he seen the door open. He said, I was wondering who was here. I said, that's Lennox Lewis up in the gym there. Go up and, show, go up and shake hands with Lennox Lewis, heavyweight champion of the world. So Pat went up to shake hands with him. When he went up, I lit up a small cigar. And when I lit a cigar, Lennox Lewis said to Pat in the gym, do you smoke? And Pat said, no, that's not me smoking. That's Johnny He's having a cigar down there. And Lennox Lewis said to him, I don't like anyone smoking while I'm training. And, then I, and Pat said to him, but why don't you just step off back to America where you come from? Ah, Johnny, Johnny has to have a smoke and he's having a cigar there. And then I, and I heard him saying, F off. I legged it up there. And I said to him, that's the heavyweight champion of the world you're talking. I said, you're five feet six. He's six feet five. You're telling him to F off. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's exactly what he can do, Johnny. He can, you know. Yeah. I said, did you, did you put the cigar out? Or did you oh, I did. I would, you know. Once you knew, I didn't realize. Didn't realize at the time. Pat didn't care. Pat, did, Pat just spoke as he as he thought, as he was thinking. He was speaking. Yeah. You know? and, I saw another uh, picture from the same year of uh, Nassim Hamid in the gym as well. Nassim was there. Brought yeah. over by Brendan Ingle. That's right. Yeah, Brendan used the gym while they were there, and um, Nassim Hamid was. They were all gentlemen. A whole lot of them. They're the stories about Nas not being quite such a gentleman, but in your experience, in my actually, experience in the gym, he just never. Was always pleasant with the kids in the gym. Anyone that he met there, and we just found him very pleasant. But again, as I say, I could not fault any boxers. I don't think I've met an, un, an unpleasant they're boxer. Your, they're yeah. your people. Your kind yes, of people they are. Boxers, this, yeah. yeah, for some reason. Yeah, like uh, you're telling us a story about. So, how did you meet Jack Dempsey? Oh, Jack goes. Oh, right so back. I was I was training at a gymnasium in, in London called the Thomas A. Becker. Oh yeah. Everyone trained there. Henry Cooper trained there for years. And um, I trained alongside Henry. And when I went in one morning, I was just going to walk in through the door into the dressing room. Um, Tommy Gibbons, who used to look after the gym, was, was talking to this man. And I looked at the man as I walked past him and I said to him, You're Jack Dempsey, former heavyweight champion of the world. He said, yeah. And he put his hand out to shake my hand. When he put his hand out, I couldn't believe it. It was like a black glove. He had the hairiest black hand I've ever seen. I pulled back my hand and I said, Jesus, I said, and I shook hands with him. I said, lovely to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I said to Tommy Gibbons, can I go inside and get a, someone to take a photograph? I was going to go into the dressing room and see if there was anyone in there with a camera, which there wouldn't have been at that time. 
And I come back out and said, oh, where'd he gone? And they were gone down below to the bar. When I went down to the bar, they were gone. But I wanted to get a photograph of them. You know the way, you, actually, you know, I'm yeah. entranced. Boxing gym. Not too modest I look for a photo with Jack Dempsey. No, I just really love to see boxes like that, you know? And and you had Tony in the gym, but one of the, uh, a Tony, in, a Tony, Tony yeah. Brian's or Gene Tony's um, brother, brother yeah. his brother in the gym. How did that come about? And um, he was just walking around the gym one time, looking at all the photographs on the wall, like what well, you see here. And um, as he's walking around, I said to him, "Are you okay there? Do you need any help?" No, I'm just looking at a photograph here. This photograph here is that's my brother. I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah, that's Gene Tony." I said. He's back from 1926. He said, that's my brother. He said, he boxed Jack Dempsey. And I said to him, I met Jack Dempsey and I was telling the story. And I said, that's, where'd you get the photo? I said, the photograph of Gene Tunney. I got that when I was over in America with the boxing, the Irish boxing team. And someone gave me the photograph and we have her on the wall here. You know what I mean? So it's, it's history being passed along. Big time. Big time. Yeah, it's lovely yeah. to see, you know. And even up to this day, you know, there's pictures of you there, which like we saw, we discussed earlier on with, Undisputed world champion, Katie Taylor. So right. it, it, the people you've been alongside go from Jack Dempsey yes. all, all the way up to Katie Taylor. That's it's right. remarkable. Yes. Yes. Um, it's been a pleasure meeting a whole lot of them. Every single one. I didn't meet one of them who was unpleasant. Not one of them. When you started off in coaching, you uh, worked with a young Steve Collins. Steve Collins, yeah. Come down to the gym. And again, as I say, when Pat, I was in the gym on Sunday morning and I see this youngster skipping there. And um, I said to his brother, I said, what's he doing here? He said, he's out of another boxing club where I brought him down to you. Why'd you bring him down? Because I always said, when you start up a boxing club, I bring him to see you. But I said, it doesn't necessarily mean because I'm starting a boxing club. That's going to be a good boxing club. So leave him where he is at the moment. No, no, he said, he, and he brought him down to the club. And from there, Stephen put in what Katie Taylor puts in. A lot of aggression and a lot of, um, how would I say? Tenacity. Now look, they have this tenacity. There's this way about them that you can see there's something in the youngster, you know? And consequently, Stephen Collins at the time, he was a good little fighter. You have to be a bit. Of course he To get so far. He has to be a little bit different to every other Yes. crazy. Yes. Yes. Culture, a bit, just a bit crazy. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? You have to be able to... Or go everything, you know. And oh, it's yeah. your brother's birthday. Don't care. I'm not yes. training, or it's your, you know, it's your and sister's like, wedding. Don't care. <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, like so to some of the special occasions, yeah. you have to be a bit crazy, don't they? You to, do, yeah. To go all yeah. the way. Yes, and like you come from a line also of coaches, lads around your age as well. Some legends there, like like from Jerry's story. Oh, Jerry's story. I enjoyed walking around him, and even um, Peter Glennon, Tony David, Frank O'Sullivan, quiet, Birmingham. Man, very quiet man, Peter Glennon. Yeah, and. um most of the coaches in the stadium, I'd work with them, you know? Yeah. Worked with them all. Um, and thoroughly enjoyed every one of them. But the boxing is a great word for meeting people and going around with them, you know what I mean? And years later, you still meet the same people. They're very, very nice, you know? As a coach, we're, we're, I suspect maybe some of your greatest moments and probably the saddest moment came with, with Darren Sutherland. Darren Sutherland. Yeah. Reached reach such eyes. Um, I remember saying to Darren on several occasions, we went over to meet. We met different people, and one of the last boxes that I met with him was David Hay, the light heavyweight, and then he became the heavyweight champion. David Hay, there was commentaries on the television. Mm-hmm. But um, we went over there to see him. We met him in Greenwich Village. We met David Hay, and we had a shower. But anyway, afterwards, afterwards, all the talking was done, Darren said to me, we met five or six different people who want me to go professional with them. Who do you, who would you suggest? And I said, Darren, I have no say in this. I was just a trainer as an amateur. And you're going to these people. But he said, but you know them personally. Who would you select? Out of? No, I said, it's up to you to select. But the only thing I will ask, say to you, Darren, it's an extremely different and lonely life boxing. I said, well, he said, you go on. I said, you have to, I said to him, you have to go I'm very quiet on me there. I said, it's extremely quiet. And very, very lonely life you're going into. Professional boxing is not what people dream of. You only see the top boxers, heavyweight champions of the world. But underneath that is there's a lot of work going into this. Morning, noon, and night. You can't go to the pub. You can't go dancing. 
can't wear your mace weekend. You can't go off on holidays when you want to go. It's, you're in a regime where you've got to be strict. And it's entirely lonesome doing all this. And I met him on several occasions after he turned professional. And I knew the manager that I had, um, Dave Mahoney. And I just said to Dave afterwards, um, he's going to be a good young fella. He said, yeah, I can see he has the talent, but just needs nurturing. And like he, they knew better than I did because they'd been looking after professional people for years. But I met Darden on several occasions and he would be very quiet when I seen him, you know, but a proper gentleman. Think of Darren now, do you get like, oh, do you think I do. of good times or the oh, sadness I, at the end? or what Mostly the good times, yeah. mostly the good times. And I meet some of his friends now and again, they drop into the gym, just say hello, yeah. you know, and Stephen Collins is the same. You know what I mean, they, they all stay in touch. You get Christmas cards. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about for you. Isn't it? That's, That's what it's all about. It's a contact. Yeah. yeah. It's a contact. Um, we're nearly at the end. I'll Good just, man. Like, what's been your highlight in coaching yeah. or what's been? Um, no, just generally enjoyed what I was doing and I was privileged to do what I was doing. Meet all those different people. And um, we'll do the same again if I had to, you know. And nowadays, John, like, um, how's the health? How's the body? Uh, how's the mind? What are you like? Yeah. Uh, what are you up to most days? How do you fill your time? You're still in the club, aren't you? Still oh, I still get out of the club, yeah. Um, everything is good. There's no complaints. No, 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 um, no bad news to give you, you know what I mean? It's all good. <laughs> and hopefully it'll stay like that. Yeah, well, I know you're much uh, for anyone I told. I didn't actually tell that many people were doing this interview today because I would have been inundated. Oh, you would. With messages and good luck messages. Because sometimes I <laughs> do. Be all ringing you and say, he owes me money. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do canvas yes. some of the former, like if I was talking to a coach, I'd talk to some of his former boxers. Okay, yes. Just to get a steer, maybe hear a few stories. But I didn't really need to do that here because it would have been too much. Okay. I didn't need to, I didn't need, no, I didn't need all the tributes. But I know that, okay. I know that when people listen to this interview, they're going to love hearing your stories. Okay. A bit of thanks, background about your profession. Thanks very much life. for having me on anyway. Thank you. And you're very good. Pleasure. And you're very, very sociable. Thank you. Thank you very good much. man. So, I'll take that compliment. Thank, Thank you. Thank you Simon McGuire for joining us today as well.